0: You're listening to episode 2.29 of the Midlife Improvement Project and on this week's episode I'm chatting with brain health coach Allison Liu. After her own struggles with brain symptoms around menopause she dug into improving her own brain health and now helps other women going through similar challenges. Listen in if you want to increase your mental sharpness and improve your energy and mood. Let's go. Welcome to the Midlife Improvement Project, a podcast about what really matters as you negotiate midlife. Some might call this time of life a crisis, but I want to introduce you to the idea that it's an awakening. This is a time to listen to your soul, to find your purpose, to reflect on what you really want to do and be in the days you have left here on planet earth, and then write your own midlife manifesto. You are not less of yourself on the other side of midlife. You are more. This is a time to be celebrated, not tolerated. I'm your midlife wake-up coach, Dr. Peggy Malone. I am a healthcare provider turned life coach who helps women in midlife really lean into the magic of being a woman as we head into the second half. I help you to decide where you want to go next with this one precious life and really claim all of your big dreams and goals while caring less about what anyone else thinks about it. After all, if someone is gonna be unhappy with your life, it shouldn't be you. In a couple of months I will turn 50 and as I head toward this milestone birthday I want to use this podcast as my midlife manifesto. There will be no fading into the background and quietly living out my golden years with the assumption that my best years are behind me over here. I'm just getting started. I invite you to come with me. Listen in each week as I help you to wake up to what's possible for you in midlife as you learn to manage your mind, get curious about what got you here, and get clear about where you want to go next on the way to being an even better you. Let's get after it. Allison Liu is a brain health coach and expert in helping women to reclaim their mental sharpness and improve their energy and mood. When she struggled with brain fog, panic attacks, and low mood in her early 50s, she felt like she was losing her sense of self. But that all changed when she adopted a holistic approach to her health, which she uses with her clients today. As a result, she increased her own brain reserve, improved her memory, mood, and relationships. She now coaches women in their forties and beyond to achieve the same so that they can handle life's challenges with ease, face the future with confidence and fully engage in life at work and at home. Her motto, stay sharp for life. As I enter my midlife lady sweats, I've noticed that I have some brain fog and my memory isn't as great as it was. And my sleep isn't always as great. My tolerance to stress is a little less than it was. And sometimes I feel like I'm a totally different human. My guest today has been through a journey with her own brain health around perimenopause. And now she helps other women as they navigate this time of life. I'm excited to hear what she has to share with us today. Allison, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, hi, Peggy. Thank you very much for the opportunity to join you.
0: All right. I want to, I'm getting to know you as well. So why don't we just start off by having you share a little bit about your story, about what you do and how you got here.
1: Oh, thank you. And hello to all your listeners as well. Um, To be honest, um, uh, brain aging really wasn't something that I had never thought about uh, when I was younger, Um, and yet it's now something I've become so passionate about. Um, We hear a lot about ways to look after our joints or our heart or our skin as we get older, uh, but nobody really tells us about how we can look after our brain. So my personal journey only started about 10 years ago while I was still in the perimenopause, and I noticed some changes in my mental health uh, that were really frightening. Uh, I was making impulsive decisions that were at times worryingly dangerous, and uh, it wasn't something that um, I had experienced before. Um, And I would be really shaken up afterwards and think, my goodness, how can I ever stop myself from making such an impulsive decision like that again? and I was becoming increasingly anxious and irritable, uh, which again was really unlike me. Um, I'm normally quite a positive person, quite energetic and quite gentle, um, but I was starting to have panic attacks. And there were times that I would be really quick to lose my temper, but over really small, petty things. And uh, my husband obviously was concerned because he was starting to notice these things as well, and he didn't really know how to help. at work, I was worried that people would think that um, I was being less capable because I started to forget what I was saying right in the middle of saying it or um, struggled to express myself and put my thoughts together. So at times, I'd have no recollection of certain meetings that had taken place or decisions that had been made. And really, I was worried that my capability would start to be questioned. It's a horrible feeling. Um, I'm a manager and I've been really capable all my career and I was being paid to deliver results and manage relationships. Um, But there I was really struggling to perform in my job. And it honestly felt like I was losing my sense of self I kind of didn't recognize myself in how I was behaving Um, and I wasn't able to control any of what I was uh, explaining just now. So it wasn't as though I could tell myself not to make impulsive decisions or to remember something I couldn't recall. And I think that's why it was so frightening. It just felt like I couldn't control what was happening to me. And around that time, I started to be interested in natural ways to heal our body. So when I had uh, earlier in my 40s, I'd been on medications and they'd had side effects that weren't great. And so I really wanted to look at uh, other ways of just being able to look after my health, um, especially as I was getting older. And so I started to experiment with things to see would they make me better or worse. Um, But what happened actually was amazing. I I came across um, information from uh, what are known as functional medicine doctors. Uh, So I can name some names. I don't know if you'll know any of them, but like Dr. Mark Hyman and Dr. Daniel Amen and others. And what they were sharing was just really uh, revelationary to me. I'd I'd never heard of of stuff like that before. And uh, so I started having a go and uh, after a little while i would kind of like looked in the mirror and, and i was like Do you know my face my skin looks different and i'd say to my husband does my skin look different and he was like yeah it looks brighter and uh, my digestion started to improve and it had always been sluggish all my life but it just started to get so much better and then the brain fog started lifting and i can't tell you how amazing it was just to be able to think more clearly again i think it can happen so gradually uh, that we don't notice it necessarily creeping up on us and so over time my mood started to improve the panic attack stopped so i now don't ever get a panic attack again um so i'm back to solving problems quickly and adding real value at work uh, i can just tell that i'm so much sharper um and so that's kind of really made me happier and made me feel myself again and you know we all have days where you have like good days and bad days or what have you but um generally i'm i'm in so much different place now to to where i was a few years ago um and so I now know that I'm living in a way that supports my body and my brain to function well. And that's a real key to living and feeling great uh, and improving my memory and thinking clearly. So I kind of wanted a way of being able to inspire and equip women to be able to do the Uh, the same for themselves and so I went away and trained as a health coach um, and then further uh, trained as a brain health uh, coach and now I work with women primarily in their 40s and beyond kind of that age um, where where we often experience that brain fog um, and anxiety things like that and uh, and so I work with them really to uh, help women realize that actually those things then they're not necessarily an inevitable part of aging and uh, especially if women are fearful of you know they've got a family history of dementia or something just giving them hope and helping them to improve the function of their brain actually at that that really critical time of life and giving them confidence.
0: Wow amazing Yeah, by the way, this is a story that I've heard from my patients. So I work as a healthcare provider and and now as I'm coming into this time of life and I'm noticing some changes in my brain, it's so great to hear that there's resources and it's also i think probably for most women most people in general when they hear they're not the only one mm-hmm. so i had a great conversation with my friend who's a menopause coach a couple of episodes ago her name is amanda Thee, and we talked about some of the symptoms that women can experience in perimenopause and so mm-hmm. we talked about uh the fact that when most people hear the word menopause All they think of is hot flashes and changes in your period, and they don't necessarily consider how this time of life our brains can change and it can show up as the Mm -hmm. symptoms that you've described that you suffered and some of the things that I'm noticing. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's probably relevant to just kind of go through a list again so that women can understand at this time of life, here are some symptoms that might show up for you and just to be on the lookout for them. So what, what oh. would you put in the list other than what you've already mentioned of symptoms that we should be watching for?
1: Yeah, I think in particular, uh, one of them would be the anxiety, increase in anxiety. Um, I think that comes with uh, the um, progesterone going down. Uh, progesterone is kind of like a a hormone of calm (laughs) and uh, and when that goes down that's when uh we're really likely going to uh, struggle with anxiety i think it it also um just that lowered um resilience uh to handle life stresses and so things um can uh they can be more challenging uh to deal with uh definitely Yeah, so those are key ones, I think, when it comes to um, brain health. I suppose as well, the increased irritability um, and, uh, yeah, even the thyroid as well uh, can get quite impacted. And and if if thyroid functioning goes down um, again, because that actually progesterone is needed for uh, healthy functioning of the thyroid, um then actually that makes everything kind of go go sluggish and mood goes down. Um, and uh, that's again can contribute as well to the brain fog because uh the the brain starts going a bit slower as well,
0: because yeah.
1: you know the the thyroid regulates our metabolism. Um, so yeah, then you get like um slow sluggish digestion,
0: um yeah, okay. Um, And then, so we've mentioned just now, some of those things that you're talking about are things that people wouldn't normally think about. Normally they think about vasomotor Mm -hmm. symptoms like hot flashes or night sweats or insomnia. Um, I just listened to a really great podcast on the Huberman lab and he interviewed Dr. Sarah Godfrey and she's an expert in all things hormones. Mm -hmm. And, and some of the things she said, I just want to like bring out there and then we can discuss Because she said that during perimenopause, there's this massive change that happens in the female brain. And she says that Mm -hmm. people aren't talking about it enough. She said that starting at around age 40, there's a huge change in our cerebral metabolism and Mm -hmm. an average of a 20% decline from Mm -hmm. premenopause, which is up to age 35 through perimenopause and menopause. And she said that the women who are having the most symptoms in perimenopause and menopause, so things like hot flashes, night sweats, insomnia. They're the ones who have the most significant, what she calls cerebral hypometabolism. Mm. And then this is where I, my ears perked up. The thing she said next was that this can be mapped to those most at risk for Alzheimer's disease. Mm. So obviously this is a concern. And Mm. I think this is something that I'm sure is what your clients come to you for. So my Mm. question is, if I'm a perimenopausal woman with these symptoms, What can I do to, number one, alleviate the symptoms and number two, reduce my risk for Alzheimer's disease or other dementia?
1: Yeah. Um, I'd really like to use a bit of an analogy that I think can can help uh, for your listeners to understand this. So if you can imagine um, that the brain is like a computer uh, and the physical functioning of the brain is like the hardware and then our mental health is like the software. And when we see mental health issues or memory issues, then it's where the software isn't running optimally. Uh, But what we fail to realize is that actually there can be an issue with the hardware. And it's exactly like that lady was saying. Um, And what we can do is help the physical functioning of the brain to improve. And that then reduces our risk for Uh, dementia later in life. So if you can imagine um, brain reserve being like a tank of fuel, and the more fuel you have in the tank, the less vulnerable you are to running out. So you can go on a long journey, or you can have an unexpected journey that you need to make, and you're not vulnerable should those unexpected things happen. Um, And it's the same with brain reserve. But, sorry, if you go into the red zone, it just means that you're more vulnerable. Um, And so, you know, with brain reserve, the more active we are as we age, the more brain reserve we have, the more resilient we are and the better we are able to handle those challenges and stresses that come our way. So mental health and memory issues start to show when that brain reserve is getting low Um, and there are several things that we can do uh, to look after that brain reserve and bring it back up again and that's kind of really what i do in working with women one i help them to understand what those things are and you know uh, some of them some of them aren't um Aren't necessarily new, so you know I, I could say things like, "Oh, you know, it's really good to move." Everybody knows it's really good to move and exercise, but what I would do then is just explain how that actually makes a massive difference to the functioning of your brain. Um, and most people aren't aware of that. They think they're looking after their heart, or you know, it's good for their joints or what have you. But they they're again not aware actually that it's uh, significant for the brain.
0: OK, amazing. So you mentioned movement and what other things yeah. can we do? Like, I'm sure that there's probably a nutritional aspect to this. Yes. <laughs> yes,
1: absolutely. So let me just explain, actually, because um, there are kind of 11 risk factors that can increase the risk for memory loss as we get older. And so um, I can go through each one. Of yeah, them, I would love um, that. If that would be helpful. So I use a, a mnemonic uh, called Bright Minds um it's a mnemonic put together by amen clinics it's really helpful so b uh is for blood flow and uh blood flow is is just so important because our brain is only about two percent of the weight of our body but it takes about 20 percent of the body's blood flow and oxygen and 20 to 30 percent of the body's energy um, glucose so it's the most energy hungry organ in the body and so uh, we need to make sure that we're giving it all of the blood and the nutrients and the oxygen that it needs to function well and so that's where exercise comes in in order to keep our heart and our blood vessels um, as, as good and flexible as possible. So you really don't want to have things like high blood pressure or, um, hardening of the arteries, uh, those kind and, you know, really having a sedentary lifestyle, uh, isn't great. Um, and we just need to look at ways to, to keep moving and, um, you know, it doesn't have to be going to the gym. Uh, you know, you could even, um, you know doing housework where you you know hoovering and stuff is really good as well so that's blood flow um and then uh, retirement and aging so the brain is like a muscle and we need to use it or lose it and uh, so in order to really keep our brain functioning well we want to as few of those neural pathways dying as possible. And therefore we need to keep using it, keep exercising. And that's uh, lots of different things, keeping variety going in our life, keep learning, um, you know, all of those kind of things. So that's uh, retirement and aging. uh, inflammation so we're aware of like chronic inflammation in our body because it it hurts <laughs> uh, you know whether that's Crohn's disease or you know rheumatoid arthritis um, you know of a whole range of chronic um, inflammatory illnesses um, but actually they're also impacting on our brain um, and they can really contribute to that brain fog um, so uh, trying ways to really get on top of chronic inflammation. Um, G is for genetics, Um, you know, genes, um, they can impact on uh, our risk for future memory problems. However, I'm sure you've probably heard this analogy yourself before, Um, genes kind of load the gun, uh, but actually it's how we live and our environment that pulls the trigger. And so, again, there's so much more within our control in terms of our health. Uh, If we do really good stuff to look after our health, then actually maybe we're not going to pull that trigger. Um, So that's genetics. Um, Head trauma uh, is a a really significant um, issue actually for uh, memory and mental health. Uh, issues. Um, It's kind of like a hidden thing, because again, you can't see it. Uh, I had somebody at work just recently who who was saying that uh, her son-in-law had a a skiing accident and uh, he had torn several tendons, uh, ligaments in his wrist. And uh, so, you know, he was kind of really out of action. And of course, that's going to impact on what he's able to do uh, every day. Um, and, but her comment was, um, but you know, I had uh, a skiing accident that was worse than his, but all I did was have concussion. And it's because people can't see what's actually happening uh, to, to their brain in an accident. Um, and yet the brain is very soft. And it's housed in a uh, really hard skull with razor sharp uh, edges, uh, bony edges, and uh, and it kind of floats as well in in cerebrospinal fluid. And so, when we have an, an accident, the the brain shunts uh, inside the skull, and so actually it can cause um harm to the to the brain um and damaged blood vessels and scarring so that's a uh, head trauma um is, is this okay no no i love it it's great yes keep going okay um then we have uh toxins um so again how uh basically um uh there have been about 80 000 chemicals introduced into our environment since the industrial revolution. And our bodies have to cope with kind of detoxing uh, all of that uh, that comes into our bodies. And it comes into our bodies in various ways. So, like um, we can eat them, so eating pesticides uh, uh, of the food that we eat, um, we can inhale them, so smoke, uh, exhaust fumes. And we can um, have them from our skin uh, because anything that we put onto our skin actually goes goes into our body. And this is one that I think is really important for your listeners to understand. They actually estimate that a woman can put up to five hundred chemicals on her skin every day. And so I just thought, you know, let's have a quick think together, because I was I was like, how could that possibly be? But actually let's think about all the various types of uh, products that a woman could put on her skin in the day can you think of some of those
0: well, yeah like deodorant moisturizer shampoo toothpaste uh, any kind of makeup um, lipstick lip balm mascara like sunscreen all of that
1: yeah exactly hand wash, shower gel. I'm not sure if you mean shampoo and conditioner. Yeah. 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 The list is in there. Even if you know, even if we're not using rubber gloves when we're doing the washing up, you've got washing up liquid you know there, there are so many uh ways that we're actually exposed to chemicals either through like personal care products or even household uh stuff around us and so making women again aware of where some of those toxins are and you know the most harmful ones even ones that can upset their their hormones um because they're a hormone disrupting chemicals um so the, they then have the opportunity to to make a choice, you know, to say, okay, I actually, I'm going to choose to use this product instead of that one, because actually it's going to be better for me. Uh, mm. so, uh, toxins, we've got mental health because actually mental health can really affect our overall health, our bodies, but also our bodies can also affect our, our mental health. And, um, so, uh, yeah, so I would um, help them look at um, things like the uh, thought patterns or um, uh, whether they're able to like, um, whether they're easily distracted, sorry, um, you know, ways that they can really improve on focus and attention, that kind of thing, uh, low mood. Um, so looking at mental health. Um, I is for immunity and infections. Um you know, anybody who has suffered with COVID and then had long COVID knows what it's like to really struggle uh, with, with brain fog in the aftermath. And uh, that's where a envir- uh, virus has uh, really impacted on their brain. Uh, there can be lots of them like Lyme disease and Toxoplasmosis and, uh, you know, and others. But, you know, so looking at ways to really support our immune system uh, so that it functions really well and is there working really hard to protect us um, should we we end up with a virus um, and then making sure to get them treated where where we've got things that can help. So like with Lyme disease, Um, so immunity infections, Neuro hormones uh, again, so there are like hundreds of hormones in the body, um, but there are a key uh, number of hormones that are, are really important uh, when it comes to our brain health, and so just making sure to optimize those as much as we can. Um, because you know, when those chemicals, because hormones are chemicals, when, when they're out of balance, you know, we really feel rough, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, doing what we can to. To look after those hormones, Um, neurohormones, uh, diabetes and obesity. um, You know, uh, being overweight, um, having a diet that's high in refined carbohydrates really impacts on the brain. Um, And uh, diabetes has been known to increase the risk of Alzheimer's uh, by about fifty to sixty percent. Um, so it's really important to try to uh, to get that blood sugar under control uh, to save your brain, really. Um, again, a lot of people won't be aware of that connection uh, between well, I've the heard two. It, I've
0: heard it said through various practitioners that oftentimes they'll refer to Alzheimer's as diabetes type yeah. 3, right? Yeah, it's exactly. Based on the fact that the sugar link, has, a, has such a role yeah. to play in what's going on.
1: Yeah, the link is so strong. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, even when the the, you look at these um, bright minds risk factors, actually, uh, sugar impacts on several of them. So you know, it impacts on blood flow, because actually sugar hardens arteries. Uh, It impacts on inflammation, because it causes inflammation in the body. Um, It impacts on sleep. i oh, sorry, I haven't got, got to sleep yet, but uh, it impacts on sleep because sometimes, you know, that roller coaster of highs and lows that people can get during the day, they can happen at night as well. And then True. it'll, it'll wake you up and find it, find it harder to get to sleep. Um, it can inf- uh, uh, impact on immunity because it impacts on our uh, microbiome. Um, and so uh, our, our immunities affect it. it. It impacts on our neurohormones um uh causing uh yeah imbalances in our hormones so you know it's it's really one to take seriously and um you know when when i'm working with people i i know that there are some like almost like sacred cows (laughs) uh that people you know find it really hard um to kind of uh do something about because you know sugar it's so socially acceptable isn't it to kind of wherever you go you take you take a cake or some biscuits or you know any any occasion and and out come all the sweet stuff and uh, so yeah it can be a really a really difficult one uh to um uh, for people to make a change in but it's so important and then yes the final one then is sleep um and uh, uh Really making sure to just prioritize sleep as much as we can. Um, uh, while we're asleep, um, our brains get a wash, which is fascinating. Um, and so a cerebrospinal fluid literally washes through the brain in order to wash away the cellular debris and toxins that built up during the day. But that only happens while we're asleep, and so if we're not getting good quality sleep for long enough, then kind of that can start to build up, and and the, we cannot be clearing out the rubbish uh, quite in the way that we really need to, um, and that can include things like um, uh, proteins like amyloid. Again, we we need that um, that wash to happen uh, really well. Um, so just prioritizing sleep as much as we can. Um, you know, I think sometimes we, we see it as a bit of a, as a bit of an inconvenience as well. Um, and so, yeah, you know, like uh, I often use, um, uh, often help people to think that actually, you know, with a, with a baby, um, you know, you would never just put a baby in a cot and say, you know, go to sleep, <laughs> you know, you have a little routine. Um, that really helps to prepare the baby to go to sleep and and to to lull it into sleep and it's kind of like we need a a little bit that same thing as well Um, actually a a routine that helps prepare ourselves to sleep
0: amazing yeah this is something that i do with my clients on the regular is help them to get an evening routine just leading Mm. up to bedtime because If you have a nice evening routine, the sleep will be good, which makes for a better morning, which makes for a better day. And then it becomes cyclical. So absolutely. Um, You mentioned sacred cows. I think the one that can be relevant, especially to women who are stressed around this age is alcohol. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, You know, we typically use uh, some unhelpful ways to cope with with stress. And, you know, they kind of help us to temporarily feel better at the time, which is why we do them. Um, but actually they're kind of adding to the load. Uh, and so, yeah, there's so things like drinking alcohol, caffeine, um, maybe smoking or eating more. Um, alcohol actually really has quite a harmful impact on the brain. Um, the, uh, the part of the brain that's at the back here with the cerebellum, uh, it contains, it's only about 10% of the size of the brain, um, but it contains 50% of the brain's neurons. Um, and it helps us with like balance and coordination, things like that. And uh, when we have alcohol, it's the part of the brain actually that gets gets impacted the most um, by what we drink, and um, and so that's why you know when people have had too much, they kind of can't walk in a straight line anymore. It's it's because of the impact it's having on that cerebellum, and so it's kind of it is really quite poisonous uh, to that part of the brain, and so you know it in a sense is a case as well of of trying to uh, to moderate. Uh, Maybe not having alcohol every day. Uh, If you're going to have it, have it as a treat occasionally, rather than maybe something that you're regularly doing. Um, It also puts quite a load on the liver. Um, You know, uh, again, you know, our body is amazing isn't it it's kind of like there's uh it's constantly working to to try to keep us safe and well and alive and so when we have alcohol um the liver will prioritize detoxing that over anything else that we have produced in our bodies so you know if we're over producing let's say on estrogen and we've got too much estrogen circulating in our blood the, the liver won't deal with that if we're drinking alcohol because it will it'll deal with the alcohol first. And so then that those excess that excess estrogen just can remain in in uh, the body. and again, we have kind of real effects from that. Um, so yeah, uh, on, on brain scan images, um, sorry, on scan images of the brain, um, alcohol, excessive alcohol consumption, you can really see uh, the damaging impact on the brain. Um, and it's not even necessarily in people who are super old. Uh, you can actually see the impact on the brain on people who are, are quite young. Um, so yeah, it's definitely one to um, to moderate, I think is what I would say Um, you know caffeine is a really interesting one as well especially when it comes to coping so quite often if people haven't if women haven't slept very well and uh, what can then happen is they wake up in the morning and they kind of think oh you know I need a coffee to just get me going Um, and then they'll have like a um, a high carb breakfast you know maybe a a sugary cereal slice of toast with a jam and and an orange juice or something They go off to work um, uh, on this kind of like uh, uh, sugar high, and then in mid-morning they'll have a crash, you know? And um, so then they have something more sweet because it makes them panicky. Um, And then they get to lunch and maybe have uh, a quick lunch because they're super busy. Um, They have maybe another little low in the afternoon. Um, And then by the time they get to the evening, they're exhausted. They felt like oh my goodness i flitted from one thing to the next to the next um and i've been super super busy but i'm not actually sure what i've got done um and so they then want to have a glass of wine over uh, a meal in the evening just to help them unwind from from it all <laughs> uh because they really so wound up and uh and then they kind of think okay i'll just watch something on the telly they maybe go to bed late and they have the poor sleep and it all comes back round again yeah. and um you know, it, there are just uh, really simple ways that they could, you know, put, change that cycle to be on a on a positive cycle um, rather than, uh, yeah, keeping going on that cycle that's just really exhausting.
0: <laughs> well, the thing that I offer to my patients and clients, especially women in this age group, is that and my myself, I'm on a protein journey, I've just started started to add more protein, and it mm-hmm. offers me like a feeling of satiety. So I feel more mm-hmm. full, I'm less likely to crave carbohydrates, I'm less likely to reach for a glass of wine. At the end of the day, I feel more mm-hmm. productive, my brain functions better. So I think mm-hmm. that that's one positive, good tip nutritionally, that can be helpful, especially for women in this age group, as they're, you know, they're losing some muscle mass, potentially when they're when their hormones yeah. are shifting
1: yeah absolutely uh, protein you see uh, you're absolutely right so if if um women were to have a slightly higher protein breakfast um so maybe like you know some eggs or like a, um, a muesli with some nuts um things that really uh, get some protein into that breakfast what that does the protein is really helps our brain to focus and concentrate. It helps this front part of the brain, which is known as like the supervisor. And um, so having a high protein diet will do exactly what, what you've just described. It would help you focus, be more productive, be more organized to plan what you're going to do and actually follow through on it. Um, whereas a high carb diet, what that does is it boosts a neurotransmitter in our brain called serotonin, which is the kind of oh don't worry be happy kind of hormone in the brain. And um, and what that then does is it makes it super hard to concentrate um, uh, because the the oh I'm not explaining this very well. So the protein helps with a neurotransmitter called dopamine, and it's that that we need for concentrating. Whereas um, the high carbs increase a neurotransmitter called serotonin, and they're a bit like a seesaw. And if one goes up too high, the other one goes down, which is why a high carb breakfast just can set us up for the wrong kind of day. Um, And so it's really interesting how you're describing that, because that is exactly what I would recommend for women to do.
0: I love the way you're describing it because most of us have been conditioned to only think about food as it relates to how big or small we are. And this is an Mm. interesting way for women to start to think about it. Like this will actually change how you perceive your experience throughout any day, not just this will make your waistline smaller. So Mm. I love that.
1: Yeah. And it really helps you as well to stick to your intentions, you know, because otherwise, again, um, uh, if we if we're on that day that I've just described with a high carb breakfast, it's so easy to walk past a shop on the way to work and you know pop in for that croissant, or you know, do do things spontaneously that are damaging to our intentions. You know, we, we might want to lose a little bit of weight, or you know, and we fall we fall prey to um being unable to stick to those intentions. Um, because of the kind of diet that we're on. But if we, again, switch it to be higher protein, we're more likely going to be able to stick with those intentions and we'll get onto, um, it will feel so much better for it.
0: Oh, Alison, I love this. This is a takeaway. I'm Mm. in it. Love it. Okay, that's great. (laughs) Um, I've heard it said, and I believe that it's true, that when a woman puts herself first, everyone around her Mm. benefits. And this likely sounds very counterintuitive to most women because they're used to Mm -hmm. just taking care of everyone else first and themselves last. So how do you think that your work intersects with this idea? Like how important is self-care and making time for oneself when it comes to brain health?
1: Oh, it's so important. Absolutely. You've hit the nail really on the head. Um, midlife is such a challenging time for many women. Um, you know, there are changes in family situation with uh, either children leaving home or, you know, uh, having children of their own, uh, you know, maybe having aging parents uh, that you're needing to look after. And, and on top of that, you've got all these, you know, hormonal changes as well, uh, Shift. career all of that kind of stuff and so it's a super important time actually to really invest in their own health and well-being and that's because as we go through the menopause you know how I was talking about that brain reserve it naturally goes down in all women and that's why it makes us more vulnerable to those mental health issues and to memory loss um, and so it's a it's a critically important time when we actually really need to invest in our own health and well being. Um, you know, again, a lot of people uh, might not uh, even realize that when it comes to memory issues that there's anything that they can do. And, and I think there's so much stigma uh, around aging and memory loss. and um i think it can make women not want to to talk about it um so it can feel very isolating um and a bit lonely um they don't want to be a burden for other people um or for people to think that they're not capable um and so yeah you know really um if they're noticing these changes in themselves, uh, what I would say is just um, to find somebody that they can trust, that they can talk to about it, and it'll make those problems seem less intense.
0: Okay. that's I think that's lovely advice. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of along the same lines of what you're talking about, of midlife being a hard time of life, mm-hmm. I've heard it said, and I've seen a, stat- a statistic that says, the graph of life satisfaction looks like a smile. So meaning it's pretty good when you're in your twenties and then it sort of declines with the stresses of your thirties and forties. And then it sort of gets to the bottom of the smile when we're around 50, which happens to coincide with the changes of menopause for a lot of women, which Mm -hmm. is like double whammy. And then, Mm -hmm. and here's where the positive is, it starts to get better and go back up again as we get into our later fifties and sixties. So My question for you is, would you say that this has been true for you? And the reason I ask this is I'm looking for good stories from the other side.
1: Mm, Yes, absolutely. So, yes, I would say that those years were uh, difficult. Um, But uh, I think that the things that I was doing was helping me out of that that phase into a... mm, an even better place than I would have been if I hadn't have been making those changes. Um, I think it felt to me like I was on uh, a really not good path. And, uh, And so, yeah, absolutely, we can definitely Uh, do a lot to uh, look after our health and to benefit from it and you know we won't only benefit now um, so you know it could be that we get more energy or that we're able to to think more clearly you know all of those kind of things maybe our mood uh, might come up again Uh, and all of those things are fantastic um, but also know that it's protecting our brain for the future Um, yeah which I think, you know, a lot of people are actually really fearful about. Uh, Again, um, you know, you you hear of people being diagnosed with dementia, um, but actually dementia starts in the brain decades, decades before diagnosis. And it's a very, very slow, gradual decline in the functioning of the brain. And so, again, anything that we can do, as early as possible is just protecting our brain for the future, it's pushing back uh, any negative years. Um, And so, yeah, I I would say that, uh, you know, we we know that we can uh, slow down the progression, and even in some instances, prevent dementia, which is just
0: amazing. Yeah, that's great. And I love that, you know, it's start now. Don't start when you have symptoms, especially if you do not have symptoms and you're listening to this, start Mm -hmm. all of these things that Allison has suggested now. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, and I know that you work with people specifically to help them. So especially when people have concerns about this area of their health. Um, So I'm sure that there are some people that are listening. Where can they find out more about you or come and say hello online?
1: So I would say that if anybody is really seriously concerned about, Uh, certainly any memory issues or any mental health issues, I would recommend to see a medical professional um, because uh, getting diagnosed or treated early again uh, can be really beneficial. Um, And uh, so um, how I work with with women is what I would do is take them through um, just a handful of assessments. Um, so that we get a baseline of where they're at right now and then we'll put together a plan of how we can get them from where they are now to make some uh, significant improvements over uh, several months and, um, and then I kind of walk with them through that process and you know our brain kind of likes things um, how they are and uh, it likes autopilot. You know, we we've got those those uh, paths in our brain, and uh, they uh, they just make it super simple and quick. Um, and so, when we're changing our habits to try to form new habits, the brain gets uncomfortable and it doesn't like it very much uh, because it's having to work harder. Remember me saying it's kind of like the most energy hungry organ in the body. And so, you know, having somebody who can walk with us through that process of changing habits um, until they then stick and those new paths have formed in the brain and it's all feels so much easier that you kind of look back and you think, Oh, I don't know why I found this so hard, uh, initially. Um, and so, yeah, that's, uh, what I would do. So if, uh, anybody, uh, who is concerned and would like to get in touch, um, then I would like to make an offer. Um, I'd like to give uh, away for three of your listeners, um, a free coaching session. Uh, where you can come and meet with me and we can talk through uh, what it is that, where you are right now and what it is that you want. Um, And uh, so if um, they would want to, uh, if it Would be interested to work with me in the future. That's that's fine, and we can talk about that later. Um, but what I would want to make sure in that session is that I can really help them to move forward uh, towards the outcome that they want. And so, um, if they would go to my website, uh, Alison Liu dot um, com uh, forward slash um, book a call and uh, they can enter a code that i will give uh that's mip for midlife improvement project uh 23 oh, and if they enter that code um then they'll be able to uh, go through without um, needing to make a payment um and so you know i would just really encourage them to take that step um, have the conversation um and uh, yeah we'll see um if i can help them move forward Oh, my Um, goodness.
0: That's so generous. And thank you so much. I will include all of that information and the links to those things in the show notes for anyone who is listening and who is interested. And um, I just want to ask if you have any final words of wisdom that you want to share or the one thing that people should take away from our conversation today.
1: Mm, the one thing I would say is, it's never too early or too late to start taking care of your brain, and you're not stuck with the brain you have, you can make it better. So if you are struggling, um, then I really encourage you to uh, take action and to, you know, uh, try with some of the things that uh, I've been talking about um, and make a commitment to yourself um, and to, uh, yeah, that actually your future Uh, is really worth it. Um, That's kind of what I would say.
0: Love it. I love it. Alison, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and your wisdom. And I'm sure I will be taking some of this to heart for my own brain health. And I'm sure my listeners will as well.
1: Oh, Peggy, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much. I think you're providing an amazing resource uh, with your podcast. And I love what you're doing in empowering women to really live life to the fullest at midlife and, uh, so yes, thank you very much for this opportunity.
0: And that's it for this episode of the Midlife Improvement Project. Thank you so much to my guest, Alison Leo, for being my guest and sharing her story. Remember that even if you are in the midst of concerning brain symptoms in and around perimenopause, that there is so much that you can take control of to get the best outcome for your health and your future. If you get the feeling that I might be your coach and you are interested in learning more about me and my work and perhaps how we could work together especially as you navigate the challenges and adventures of midlife. Come visit me at drpeggymalone.com forward slash coach and sign up for a complimentary 60 minute consult where we can help you to get clear on where you are, where you want to go and how to get you there. Also, I'd love it. If you would come hang out with me on Instagram, you can find me there at drpeggymalone. As usual, you'll find all of the resources and links that were mentioned during today's show in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed today's show and you don't want to ever miss an episode, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you usually listen. If you haven't already, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a rating or review to let me know what you think of the show and to help others find the Midlife Improvement Project. Until next time, my friends, stay focused and get after it.